Please remain standing for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Um, if you would open your blue pew, hem, or blue pew Bible, we are reading from Nehemiah chapter 8, which is found on page 403. If you're reading from your screens or from your own Bible, we are reading from Nehemiah chapter 8. I shall be reading uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, following with verses 14 through 16. Nehemiah chapter 8, on page 403 of the Blue Pew Bible. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard. And on the first, well, this was on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square, before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Machijah, Hisham, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Mishalem on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Cherubiah, Jamin, Akib, Shibathai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I lived... um... I lived in the Glenshard uh, subdivision. To, uh, I love my home. Been there for 35 years. It's a nice, quiet, and peaceful neighborhood. It is close uh, to grocery stores and gas station. Walmart is close by. Department stores. And Chinatown is just a couple of miles away. And 59 freeway is not too far, as well as 
Beltway 8 is just down the street. It seems to be the ideal location. But besides the great outward features, there's something that's really more important that one needs to consider. That's the foundation of my home. Uh, I lived there for a little while, and then after a while, I noticed that the doors were not closing properly. Then there were little cracks on the wall here and there. I have foundation problem. You know, if we want to have a strong house, we need a strong foundation. And this morning, uh, we're going to talk about the Israelites as they return back from captivity to their homeland to establish a strong nation. But before they could establish a strong nation, they need a strong spiritual foundation. And before I get into Nehemiah chapter 8, I'd like to give you a little context, a little background about this book. See, Moses, back in Deuteronomy, stated that if my people would would obey me, I will bless them. And if they disobey me, I'm going to curse them. Matter of fact, one of the ways how I'm going to curse you is I'm, I'm going to send you off to captivity and you're going to be slaves. And we see that because of the Israelites' continued rebellion, Israel went into captivity to the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar. When the Babylonian conquers a country, they took the very best of the best and, and they brought them home to their homeland and made them slaves. We see the prophet Jeremiah prophesy that his people is going to be in captivity for 70 years. And indeed, after 70 years, we see that prophecy was fulfilled when the Persians conquer the Babylonians. Well, the Persian has a new method as to how they deal with countries that they conquer. Instead of taking them back home with them, they, don't, they really don't want them. They say, well, you, you guys go home. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to tax you guys to death. Just a different way of how they deal with these subordinates. The Jews were given a choice to return home back to Jerusalem. And we see that a large group went back after they were slaves in Babylon for 70 years. Can you imagine when they went back to their homeland, to Jerusalem? As you remembered, King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the walls of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. It was not a good sight when the people went back. Could you imagine if you left your backyard alone for a month? How, how, how about two months? How about, how about a year? How, how about 70 years? What do you think your backyard will look like? Probably like a jungle or something. 
these people went back to Jerusalem. They found their homeland was a total mess. Well, God raised up two people to rebuild first the city and secondly to rebuild the people. Nehemiah was called by God to meet the physical need by rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And Ezra was called by God to meet the spiritual needs of the, by, by rebuilding the people. Actually, it was Ezra, who was the priest and scribe, that was the first of these two individuals that arrived back in Jerusalem first. He started teaching the people the Word of God. You see, the people of God were, did not know God, did not know God's Word, because they've been enslaved in Babylon for 70 years. So in order to establish a godly society, you see Ezra teaching them from the Word of God. And because the people responded well to the Word, when Nehemiah came, he, he rallied the people to say, hey, let's rebuild the wall. The people responded quickly, and they rebuilt the walls. And we see here in Nehemiah chapter 8, we have come to the end of the construction of the wall. Now, the focus is to bring spiritual renewal to the people. But in order to have a strong nation, the people need a strong spiritual foundation. And the only way for that to take place is for them to understand and obey God's Word. Let us turn to Nehemiah chapter 8 and see how God used Ezra to bring forth a spiritual renewal in the nation of Israel. We'll see that it is rooted in a strong foundation in the Word of God. You see, the first step of having a solid spiritual foundation is that having an intellectual response to the word by understanding. Uh, in your bulletin, there's an uh, outline of the sermon. Um, I encourage you to take that out and follow with me in it. In the latter part of Nehemiah chapter 7, we see that Nehemiah summoned all the people to a great celebration and dedication service held in the town square on the seventh month. And one of the first things that uh, the people wanted to do was to tell Ezra to bring the book of the law and to read it. There was just a great hunger for the word. Let's take a look in verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, All the people assemble as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, 
brought the book before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. See, this, this, this took place on the seventh month. This is a very significant time in the Jewish calendar. Matter of fact, there are three major events that took place during the seventh month. See, the first day of the seventh month is the Feast of Trumpet, which is recognized as the so-called New Year of the Jewish calendar. And then on the 10th day of, of the seventh month, they celebrated the Day of Atonement, which is when the nations go before God to seek forgiveness from God for their unconfessed sins. And five days later, on the 15th of July, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, where they lived in booths or temporary shelters to remember how God has provided for them when they were in the wilderness. You see here that the people cherish and value God's Word. They recognize that it's the only, any kind of Word is God's Word that has authority, that it is truth, it provides guidance as to how they could have a relationship with God, how they could have a relationship with others that are around them. See, the law can be summarized in the Ten Commandments. You see, the first four commandments talks about man's vertical relationship with God. And then in the next six commands, it talks about man's horizontal relationship with one another, with those that are around them. And when we turn to the New Testament, Jesus was asked, was the greatest commandments. And he stated two great commandments. And it says that it summarizes the whole law, which basically God says to love God, all your heart, mind, soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Your vertical relationship with God, your horizontal relationship with mankind. We see that the Bible has authority for all of our life. It is through God's Word that we come to know who God is and what He wants us to do. Therefore, first step the Jewish exile took in rebuilding their nation was having an intellectual response to the Word by understanding it. The assembly included men and women, and all were able to understand. I believe this also involved not only uh, men and women, but also children and youth that were old enough to understand. See, God's Word is important to the whole family. The worship, the Lord, we are to worship the Lord as a family. I see some of us here in this congregation that you're worshiping with your children. I think there are just great benefits to worship together for our children to see the value of worshiping God. They could see their daddy and mommy praising the Lord. And only that, uh, we could have a 
personal discussion with our children and youth as to what is being taught in Scripture. Ezra read the Bible, read the, the word from the law, which is basically the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. He probably didn't read the whole five books, probably selected certain portions to be read. But note, when it, did he start and when did he end? He says it started at daybreak, probably 6 o'clock or so, until noon. That, that might have been for six hours they were out there listening to the Word of God. They value Scripture. You know, when um, I was uh, dating Ellie, uh, she loves to write, and she would write me love letters. Um, matter of fact, she would write me every day. She really loves me. <laughs> she would send me a letter every other day. So if I didn't get a letter today, I know I'm going to get one tomorrow. And I would just kind of look forward to it. And when I get it, you know, I read it, you know, fervently. I value it. I cherish it. The question is, you know, do we cherish God's Word? Are we eager to read God's Word daily? Because God's given us a love letter for us to enjoy in Scripture. Note that all the people, it says here, they listen attentively as recorded in verse 3. They focus on what Ezra had to say. They pay attention to every word that was being read. They consume what was spoken. Let's take a look at verse 3. It says, he read it out loud. From daybreak till noon, as he faced the square before the water gate, in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Uh, last month, um, Karen Holt uh, gave a workshop on long-term care, you know, you know, when when you get old and uh, you need some assistance um, uh, that uh, one could cover for your nursing home and so forth. Well, well you know, I, I, I just recently turned 65 and signed up for Medicare. I go, man, I, I better go and check this, this workshop out, you know. And, 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 and as she taught, I, I listened attentively because was very applicable to my life. In the same way, may we listen attentively to God's Word because God's Word is applicable to our lives. I believe one practical way how we can listen attentively during worship service or during Sunday school or, or, or during a time where God's Word is being taught is to take notes. See, that's why we provided you an outline in the bulletin 
so you could take some notes. You know, when we write things down, it causes us to concentrate. We had to think and we had, had to, uh, before we could write things down. I encourage you to take notes. And not only just take notes, uh, go home, you know, take a look at what uh, you have written down. In addition, we see that the people all stood up to honor God's word. When it was read, as this recorded in verse 5, we see this. You see, standing is a sign of reverence to God. See, God is worthy to be revered. And that's why we stand when we worship God here. And we stand when Scripture is being read. It's a way for us to express our reverence to God. Not only did the people hear the Word of God, but they were also instructed. We see in verse 7, the second half in verse 8, it says, they instructed the people in the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. There were 13 Levites that came along the side of Ezra, and they went among the people, the audience, they're explaining to them what the Scripture was saying. See, it was not enough to hear the Word of God, but it's critical for us to understand the Word of God. See, most of uh, the Jewish people that were there, they lived, well, they lived all their life in Babylon. And while they were in Babylon, they probably learned Babylonian. And Ezra, when he read Scripture, was probably in Hebrew to these so-called BBJs, the Babylonian-born Jews, who really did not know Hebrew or very little of it. It's just like the ABCs, the American-born Chinese. A lot of us don't know Chinese very well because we've been westernized. We see uh, there's a phrase that it made, made it clear in verse 8. This, word, this little phrase, make it clear, can be translated as translate. Because there was language differences. Translation was needed for these people to truly understand. Probably from Hebrew to Babylonians. So they could understand the true meaning of what was being read to them. Last week, Pastor Jason mentioned the importance of heart language. There's some about 2,200 languages that have not been translated into heart language. Well, how will the lost will come to know Christ unless the gospel is translated into their heart language? See, God's word is authoritative. And it's even more powerful when it is heard in one's heart language. We have an opportunity to assist the translation 
of the Patip people group uh, who live in the, one of the largest islands in the world. And they do not have the Bible translated in their heart language. And I'm proud to announce last week, uh, almost all the verses were signed up. There were only seven verses left in all of the book of Colossians that were not claimed. And then there were uh, several verses in the book of Jude that were not claimed. We have an opportunity today to sign up. And I encourage each one of us here to join hands in signing up for at least one, one verse. Um, we're, we're contributing $35 per verse. We also are adding more verses uh, from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, 2, 3. The goal of uh, the organization that's sponsoring this, and we're partnering with them, the C Company, to, uh, is to have all 2,200 languages that do not, that, that's, that has not been translated into a heart language to start all of them by 2025. That's in six years. They feel that with the help of God's people, it is possible to finish all the languages to be translated within our lifetime. We said that the first step of having a solid spiritual foundation is to have an intellectual response to the Word by understanding it. Second step is to have an emotional response to the word by weeping and celebrating. See, God's word go hand in hand with worship and, and celebrating. One of the responses to God's word is to rejoice and to, to worship God. See, before Ezra began to read and to teach God's word, he praised God because he is a great God. See, worship is giving worth to someone, and, and Ezra is giving worth to God because he is a great God. And through the word of God, we come to know who God is and what God has done. It is just natural for us to give praise to God when we recognize what he has done for us. You know, there was um, a family where the siblings uh, had quarrels among one another, and they haven't spoken to each other for about five years. I pray for this family, that God would intercede and to restore relationship among those siblings. And this week, the, the Lord did a, a miraculous act by bringing those siblings back together. You can see that it was the hand of God. It could only be possible by the Lord. He is a great God. Ezra had an emotional experience praising God as he and the people lifted up their hands. See, raising up our hands is uh, signified that that we are in 
dependence in the Lord. We're reaching out to worship God and says, we need you, God. The people not only did that, but they bowed down and worshiped the Lord. You know, when we worship the Lord, we should express our worship through emotion. I believe one of the ways that we can do that is by lifting up our hands and say, Lord, we depend on you. We, we need you. Know how the people responded as Ezra praised God. See, all the people said, amen, amen, which literally means, so be it. Yes, you're right. It's a strong affirmation of what, God, what Ezra claimed God to be, that he is a great God. And people shouted and said, amen, or so be it, you're absolutely right. And may we learn to respond to God's word with emotions. May we be excited in praising him. May we be enthusiastic in doing so. Because God is an awesome God. Well, let us give a big cheer for God and say, God, you're a awesome God. Right, let's, let's hear it from y'all. Hey, one, two, three. God, you're an awesome God. Oh, come on now. That's, that's, my grandma could do better than that. All right, let's, let's try it again. Okay, God, you're an awesome God. Ready? One, two, three. God, you're an awesome God. Well, yeah. We, you know, when we worship God, we should just worship intellectually, but emotionally. Amen. You're absolutely right. May we praise God um, for who he is. As we read further to, in this passage, we see the people were convicted of their sin. They started weeping and mourning as it's recorded in verse 9. It says, Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping as they listened to the word of the Lord. See, the audience was remorse over their past disobedience. And the Spirit of God convicted them of their sins, and they started weeping. May we recognize what God's Word had to say. And when it convicts us, let it touch our hearts as well. We see that the leaders told the Jews to stop weeping, but to say you should rejoice. Nehemiah in verse 10 reminds them that, they, that the day, it was a sacred day of the Lord. They should celebrate with a hearty meal and to send presents to those in need because the joy of the Lord is their strength. He says, don't be sad, rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is the source of our strength. 
In addition, God provided a way for us to be forgiven. You don't need to be, be weeping over your sin. God, God, God has forgiven us. And we see that um, through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins, that whosoever believes in him will be saved, and, and we will be forgiven. And may we rejoice in the Lord. The third step of having a solid uh, spiritual foundation is to have a volitional response in the word by obeying. Let's take a look in verses 13 and 14. It says, On the second day of the month, the heads of all the family, along with the priests and the Levites, gather around Ezra, the scribe, to give attention to the word of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. Here we see it was the second day. Now, this is after the first day where they stood, and they stood for six hours and listened attentively to the Word of God. And we see, you would think, you know, after such a long service, maybe, maybe we could take a break on the next day. But we, we see instead, just the opposite happened. The heads of the family, now there's a smaller group of people, they were so eager to, to want to learn more from the Word of God. They, they came back to Ezra to want more. They studied God's Word. And they realized that God commanded them that during the seventh month, they are to build booths or, or just temporary small shelters. They were to, to, to live in that temporary shelter for a week. It is to remind them that back in Back in the wilderness, they were homeless. They moved from one place to another, and they live in, in temporary housing, and how God provided for them throughout that 40 years. God provided them every day food and water for about close to 2 million people. Can you imagine? 2 million people going down to McDonald's here and say, hey, I want 200, 2 million you know, uh, hamburgers today. Every day, every meal for four years, God is good. God provides for his people. Now, how did the people respond to God's word once they heard it? We see this in, it's recorded in verse 16. It says, so the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves booths on their own roof in their courtyards in the courts of the house of God and in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. After her, from the word, they responded in quick to obey right away. They go, whoa, that's what God want to do? I, I better start building, building some booths, some, some temporary shelter just as God has commanded me to do. What has God spoken to you recently from the Word of God? Well, for me, God's spoken several things to me recently. God's spoken to me that um, I need to be more generous in my giving. I know that God's blessed me abundantly, and I should contribute more 
to the kingdom of God because that's the only thing that will last for eternity. Ellie uh, and I spent some time discussing it and, uh, as to how, I'm gonna, how we're going to be adjusting our giving. How we're going to adjust our giving to, to a local church because that's the first place we need to commit to giving. How, how we're going to give more to the Paraland Building Fund. How, how are we going to contribute to the Adopt Diverse campaign? God also spoke to me the past couple of weeks that I need to be building some relationship with, uh, with some non-Christians, and specifically some internationals. And because of that, I, last week I, I contacted... Um, the English Buddy Ministry. That's a wonderful ministry where you get connected to an international that want to learn English. They want to talk. No, no, no classes or anything, just to hang out, talk, and able to build relationship with one another. Well, it's a, it is an opportunity as we build relationship that we could talk to them about the Lord. I remember several years back, I had an English buddy. Uh, it was a, a researcher here in the medical center. And we met uh, for about a year and built some good relationship. Uh, then he moved out to California to work out there. And due to time, I just kind of lost track of him. But later on, uh, he somehow he found me in LinkedIn and he wrote me back. And he told me, he says, I just became a Christian. You know, we could sow wonderful seeds. You know, and there, there's many international that want to learn to converse in English. You know, if you're interested, um, talk to Danielle or Angela or Fong, or, or talk to me and I'll direct you to them. Uh, it's a tremendous opportunity. Take advantage of it. Um, we, we thank God. As you read from God's word, what is God telling you to do? Knowing God's word is one thing, but obeying God's word is a total different thing. It's not until we practice will we experience transformation. If we want to have a meaningful life, we need spiritual renewal, which can only take place we embrace God's Word. And may we respond intellectually by understanding God's Word. May we respond emotionally by weeping and celebrating. And may we respond volitionally by obeying God's Word. In conclusion, because God's word is so precious to us, it's so important, and particularly in our heart language, I challenge you, encourage you to consider investing in adopting a verse um, as our whole church is joining hands to do that. Would you considering adopting a verse to be translated into the heart language of the Petit people? Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your word. It's through the word that we come to know you more personally. Through your word that we find guidance as to how we live our life with one another. I mean, we cherish it, not take it for granted. And Lord, we also understand that there are so many people that do not have the Bible translated into their own heart language. We pray, Lord, that uh, you help us to um, be part of that solution in bringing Scripture to to every unreached people group that do not have the Bible translated into their heart language, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.